0: chapter twelve of fifty years ago by walter besant this librivox recording is in the public domain in club and cardland clubland was a comparatively small country peopled by a most exclusive race there were twenty-five clubs in all and as many men had more than one club and the average membership was less Than a thousand there were not more than twenty thousand men altogether who belonged to clubs there are now at least one hundred and twenty thousand with nearly a hundred clubs to which almost any man might belong besides these there are now about sixty second-class clubs together with a great many clubs which exist for special purposes betting and racing clubs whist clubs gambling clubs, press clubs, and so forth. Of the now extinct clubs may be mentioned the Alfred and the Clarence, which were literary clubs. The Clarence was founded by Campbell on the ashes of the extinct literary club, which had been dissolved in consequence of internal dissensions. The Athenaeum had the character which it still preserves. One of the few things in this club complained of by the members of 1837 was the use of gas in the dining-room which produced an atmosphere wherein it was said no animals ungifted with copper lungs could long exist the Garrick club was exclusively theatrical the oriental was of course famous for curry and madeira the union had a sprinkling of city men in it the united university was famous for its iced punch and the Wyndham was the first club which allowed strangers to dine within its walls speaking generally no city men at all nor any who were connected in any way with trade were admitted into the clubs of london a barrister a physician or a clergyman might be elected and of course all men in the services but a merchant an attorney a surgeon an architect might knock in vain the club subscription was generally six guineas a year and if we may judge by the fact that you could dine off the joint at the carlton for a shilling the clubs were much cheaper than they are now they were also quite as dull thackeray describes the dullness of the club the pride of belonging to it the necessity of having at least one good club the habitues of the card-room the talk and the scandal but the new clubs of our day are larger their members come from a more extended area there are few young city men who have not their club and it is not at all necessary to know a man because he is a member of your club and when one contrasts the cold and silent coffee-room of the new great club where the men glare at each other with the bright and cheerful tavern where every man talked with his neighbor and the song went round And the great kettle bubbled on the hearth one feels that civilization has its losses we have our gambling club still from time to time there comes a rumor of high play a scandal or an action in the high court of justice for the recovery of one's character baccarat is played all night by the young men champagne is flowing for their refreshment and sometimes a few hundreds are lost by some young fellow who can ill afford it but these things are small and insignificant compared with the gambling club of fifty years ago he who speaks of gambling in the year thirty-seven speaks of crockfords everything at crockfords was magnificent the subscription was ten guineas a year in return for which the members had the ordinary club and coffee rooms providing food and wine at the usual club charges these were on the ground floor and the run of the gambling rooms every night to which they could introduce guests and friends these rooms were on the first floor they consisted of a saloon in which there was served every night a splendid supper with wines of the best free to all visitors crockford paid his chef a thousand guineas a year and his assistant five hundred and his cellar was reputed to be worth seventy thousand pounds there were two card rooms one in which whist carte, and all other games were played and a second smaller room in which hazard alone was played every night at eleven the banker and proprietor himself took his seat at his desk in a corner his croupier sitting opposite to him in a high chair declared the game paid the winners and raked in the money crockford's spiders that is the gentleman who had the run of the establishment under certain implied conditions introduced their friends to the supper and the champagne first and to the hazard room next at two in the morning the doors were closed and nobody else was admitted but the play went on all night long crockford not only held the bank but was ready to advance money to those who lost and outside the card-room treated for reversionary interests post-obits and other means for raising the wind the game was what is called french hazard in which the players play against the bank thousands were every night lost and won as much as a million of money has been known to change hands in a single night and the banker was ready to meet any stake offered those who lost borrowed more in order to continue the game and lost that as well but crockford seems never to have been accused of any dishonorable practices he trusted to the chances of the table which were of course in his favor in his ledgers where are they now he was accustomed to enter the names of those who borrowed of him by initials or a number he began life as a small fishmonger just within temple bar and fortunately for himself discovered that he was endowed with a rare talent for rapid mental arithmetic of which he made good use in betting and card-playing the history of his gradual rise to greatness from a beginning so unpromising would be interesting but perhaps the materials no longer exist he was a tall and corpulent man lame who never acquired the art of speaking english correctly a thing which his noble patrons the duke of Wellington, was a member of his club passed over in him everybody went to crockford's everybody played there that a young fellow just in possession of a great estate should drop a few thousands in a single night's play was not considered a thing worthy of remark they all did it we remember how disraeli's young duke went on playing cards all night and all next day was it not all the next night as well till he and his companions were up to their knees in cards and the man who was waiting on them was fain to lie down and sleep for half an hour the passion of gambling it is one of those other senses outside the five old elementary endowments possessed everybody cards played a far more important part in life than they do now, the evening rubber was played in every quiet house. The club card tables were always crowded. For manly youth, there were the fiercer joys of la Lou, louvantein, and a carte. For the domestic circle, there were the whist table and the round table. And at the latter were played a quantity of games such as Pope Joan, commerce speculation, and I know not what, all for money and all depending for their interest on the hope of winning and the fear of losing family gambling is gone if in a genteel suburban villa one was to propose a round game and call for the pope joan board there would be a smile of wonder and pity as well ask for a glass of negus or call for the caledonians at a dance scandals there were of course men gambled away the whole of their great estates they loaded their property with burdens in a single night which would keep their children and their grandchildren poor they grew desperate and became hawks on the lookout for pigeons they cheated at the card table read the famous case of lord de ross in this very year they were always being detected and expelled and so could no more show their faces at any place where gentlemen congregated and sank from crockfords to the cheaper hells such as the cribs where the tradesmen used to gamble those frequented by city clerks by gentlemen's servants and even those of the low french and italians they were illegal cribs and informers were always getting money by causing the proprietors to be indicted it was said of thurtell after he was hanged for murdering Weir that he had offered to murder eight irishmen who had informed against these hells for the consideration of forty pounds a head when they were suffered to proceed however the proprietors always made their fortunes no doubt their descendants are now country gentry and the green cloth has long since been folded up and put away in the lumber-room with the rake and the croupier's green shade in his chair and the existence of these relics is forgotten end of chapter 12